Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theater Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theater Wing. We're joined today by Ariel Tepper. Ariel is a Broadway producer with a capital P. Some little <laughs> shows you may have heard of. The Pillow Man, Monty Python, Spamalot, Democracy, a Raisin in the Sun, close to a dozen shows altogether. And in her spare time, her, her labor of love as the founder and executive producer of something with a very catchy name, SPF. The logo is on kind of like a, a bottle of suntan lotion. It means Summer Play Festival. It's a four-week, 28-day intensive presentation of 16 different plays this season, second annual time around. Ariel, welcome. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. You are the creator of this. And it's basically a festival that allows undiscovered playwrights to exhibit their work here in New York for a week. Yes. Uh, Four different performances in a single day at four different theaters as part of uh, Theater Row here in New York. Each week, a different slate of uh, presentations, 16 altogether. Exactly. How did this come about? How did you come up with this idea? Um, Wow. Well, actually, I came up with the idea about 15 years ago. I was in high school, and my mother had an art gallery Um, fine arts Uh and you were only allowed to show there if you were an emerging artist and it was in the Hamptons and to her that meant not have had not having had a show in New York City Mm. so she wanted to open up a gallery in the city and started construction on it and the only space she could find that she loved was two floors so I was 15 she said what do you think I should do with the other floor and I said, well, you could build a theater. Why not have a black box? And uh-huh. you could have my generation and your generation of people coming together, and they could do new work. And, wow, that would be the most amazing thing. So she said, great idea. And, unfortunately, it never came to fruition. My mother was sick, and um, she passed away my freshman year of college. So I sort of always decided that I wanted to find a way to get it done. So a little over a year ago... Um, we found out the Theater Row building was going to be available for the month of July. And it had four theaters that were all under 99 seats. And it had this big open lounge area, which could serve as the living room idea, where we could have all these people come together, open noon to midnight, and just hang out and get to know each other and network and really do whatever they wanted to do to be part of the industry. And that's how it started. There are a lot of play festivals yes. in New York, around the country. How do we distinguish yours, or how did you choose to dis- to differentiate yours from some of the other efforts that were going on? Um, we went to Rachel Newberger, who has been working with me since the beginning, prior to uh, Freak, which in your is commercial my show, in my commercial world. She and I went to some writers that we knew that were emerging, which meant never having a real production in Manhattan. And we went to them and we said, what would what would be most helpful to you in a play festival? And they said, well, first of all, we have to pay to submit to a festival. We have to pay $50 or $500, whatever the fees are. And we looked at each other and we said, well, that's kind of crazy that you have to pay. I mean, you know, writers sort of, it's known that they don't really have any money. Um, so we said, okay, we'll get rid of that. What's next? And they said, well, you know, after you go to a festival like the Fringe Festival or I don't know about all of them, but I just did a little research on the ones in New York, you have to give a percentage of royalties. So, for example, you're in town and any show that we know of that went from Fringe to Broadway, had to, the writer had to give a small amount of money and royalties to the festival. So that was another thing that we said, okay. And that's on top of the fact that at 
festivals like the Fringe, if I understand it correctly, ultimately the people who put on the show pay to put the show well, on. Well, that's the They're, third problem. Oh, I, I beat you to it. <laughs> yeah, okay. that's the third problem is that the writer has to basically act as the producer, not only in doing the work and putting everything together, but they have to raise the money, and often they pay for it because they're so desperate to get their show up, and no one's really on their team. So we said, okay, that's the next thing we'll get rid of. And then the other thing was ticket prices. Um, a lot of these festivals don't charge a lot, but we specifically charge $10. It will not go up. That actually includes the theater restoration fee. So the tickets are actually, I think, $8.75 plus the restoration fee brings it up to 10 um, So we are very pro new audiences as well. But for the writer, it's so helpful to them because we give them not only the money because what they do is they don't pay to submit. It's free. If they get chosen, we then match make with a director and a producer. So every single play in the festival, all 16 plays, have their own producer, who's the one who does all the work of a producer, which is putting the whole thing together. Then my staff, my commercial theater staff, and people that I've worked with in the commercial Broadway world come over to the Summer Play Festival office, and we act as sort of the umbrella organization for every show. So the producer, who's probably some kind of emerging producer, will come to us and say, I need help with this. What do I do about that? And we say, well, why don't you talk to our company manager? Or if you have a question about this, talk to our technical director and really help them with whatever they need. So the writer can really focus on writing as opposed to producing. And then we give them a $10,000 budget for their specific show. So we help them. We get we give everybody two weeks of rehearsal space plus a week of performances. We do, as the festival, we do all of the marketing and publicity for the festival as a whole instead of show by show, so there's no competition. And then we give them $10,000 for each show. So their 10000 basically is being seen on stage. It's not for marketing, publicity. It's, but it's seen on stage as the, well as paying our actors. I was going to say for the actors, the yes. director, the people who are working the behind directors the directors and the writers get paid out of different money. So oh, okay. the $10,000 is a very good, seems to be a very fair number. If you, when you see the production, you won't believe what amazing shape it's in and it actually surprised us last year the first time you know on opening day when we went to all four theaters and saw how amazing the production values were we're like wow for four you know for ten thousand dollars this is pretty incredible it also creates a certain environment where i always call it a camp or high school environment because everybody just comes together and helps out um there are no rules really in that building um, because it's all under 99 seats. So which, is a, which is a union. It's not a union you know, house. I'm saying if it was more than 99, yeah, it would, it would be over. We're yep. Ac- Actors' Equity Showcase Agreement. So basically the way it works for us is that all four shows come together, discuss how to use their theater. So uh-huh. if they want to paint it black, they paint it black together. And the environment is so friendly and so energized from this that it makes it a great feeling as well as putting on great shows. And having this seed money, this $10,000, they don't have to ask their friends to do favors. Would you appear They're in They're not allowed. Uh-huh. I mean, sort of the rules of the festival are that, you know, we give you the money. It's your reality. <laughs> it's your reality show is you know, you've got this to work yeah, with and work within those exactly. limits. Exactly. And how can and we part help of what you, you see is how creatively yeah. they can use those resources. And this year, and, and also... You know, whether you're on Broadway and you have a $14 million musical or you're doing a teeny tiny show off-off Broadway, you're always going to have a limit. 
So it actually has become, you know, from what I understand, they tell me it's a really good learning experience because they can choose to have this extravagant set piece or they can choose to have five good set pieces. So it, you know, it really it really seems to work out to everyone's advantage. So and it- at the end of the day, we end up with 16 producers who now have experience that they wouldn't have had before, 16 directors and 16 writers, not to mention the stage managers, the designers. I mean, so for everybody, it's this great learning experience. It also kind of teaches them the business side of show business. Exactly. Not just show, but business. Which is, you know, really important to... Um, to know that, you know, at some point you have to think about these things maybe you didn't in school, but now that you're in the real world, no matter what kind of show you're working on, you do have to think about this kind of stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's always a reality. In yeah, life, in, in, in everything. In, in any field, in any I field. I mean, at home, you know, how am I going to budget my groceries or whatever it is? So it seems to have, I mean, that's something that I think that's a way that we really separate ourselves out. Um, you mentioned learning experience uh, just before and for anybody who launches into a venture like this which was very successful right out of the gate in its first season started slowly but your your ads hit which were sexy yeah. and youthful and you got the word out there we sold out the second day of the festival last year wow. sold so out the was, rest of the festival yeah. by the second day yeah so the question is <laughs> what the first did day you, we thought it was just gonna be us <laughs> what did you learn and what might be different about this year's festival, either positively or things that you tried to do last year that you realized didn't work and you had to pare back on? Um, We have the exact same advertising and media plan this year that we had last year. We're really happy with it. Um, This year we became a not-for-profit officially, which meant that we can start accepting donations from people. Um, the reason I wanted to do that, and that was really important to me, is because because of the environment I talked about before, the whole the idea of the living room for artists and that anybody can come and hang out and network. And I, I really wanted this to be a place where if you're, you know, 20 years old and you want to move to New York and you've just finished school um, and you say, well, what do I do? I want to be in theater. What do I do? I want you to know that this is a place where you can come we have open arms to you come hang out here come work on the festival come be a part of it and come be a part of it as an audience member come be a part of it as an intern come be a part of it in any way you want and that by ex- by becoming a not-for-profit and getting other people involved in the festival whether they want to donate a dollar or a lot more than that that was something that we're doing differently this year um the other thing is we were we started accepting submissions. We had a three-month acceptance period as opposed to three weeks. Um, last year, we had three weeks and we got 1,000 submissions. Now, interestingly enough, this year we had three months and got 1,200. Hmm. So it was a different – the our outreach was much broader, um, which was great. And from what I understand, Playwrights Horizons gets about 1,000 a year. Um, that's what they told me, if I'm remembering them correctly. If I'm not, I apologize. Um, but that was a really nice feeling for us that we were getting the same type of number that they get um, for such a theater that I respect so much. So what is the selection process with 1,200 scripts? How does it winnow down to 16? <laughs> um, we have 75 readers 
We have handpicked them from people that we've known over the years. One of the things that I've always tried to do in my commercial life is from day one, we always went to the readings of, you know, the most unknown people of the most unknown. Rachel and I did it because we really, really, really wanted everyone to feel like we were interested in them. And then as the company grew and we started doing bigger shows, we would hire people that would, you know, that would come and go to readings and see what's going on in the world. And we always wanted to keep our fingers and hands out there so that everybody felt like this wasn't an untouchable world, because I think that's one of the difficulties of theater in New York. Um, So these 75 readers, Rachel put them together They are all people that we have in some way worked with before. Um, Every play was read at least twice, if not more than that. They were written about. Um, In terms of written reports by the readers. Written reports by the readers. you and Rachel to review. Mm -hmm. Rachel went through them. She whittled them down to 50 scripts. Um, that 50 went to a final selection panel of six people. And who was that this year? And it was John Weidman, Hal Prince, um, Todd London, me, and Rachel. So five people, I apologize. And uh, we came up with the 16, and it was unanimous vote on all of them. I'm looking at the, the listing of the 16 different playwrights, and although this takes place, the festival takes place in New York City, uh-huh. I think it's important to understand you don't have to be from New York to be no, submitted. I'm, from I'm seeing a couple all over the from country New York, a couple and from two Brooklyn. from London. I see London, I see College Park, Maryland, I see uh, um, Chicago, I see Austin, Texas. Um, how does one find you? I guess well, they, they go we to the website. We have a website, yep. which is spfnyc.com, Summer Play Festival in New York City. And we actually accept accept submissions only through the website. We don't mail in. We don't accept them uh, by mail. And our website has grown tremendously. Um, we do everything through the website, which is amazing since I'm not technologically inclined at all. But it's been but it's been a really great interactive part of the festival. And in terms of people coming from all over the country and all over the world, we now have one of the other things that's changed this year is we have a writer's residency program with the Donmar Warehouse in London where we're going to be sending two writers over for three weeks each. Two of the writers of the shows that were selected. Right. Mm-hmm. Two of the writers um, from this year's festival, one will go in the fall and one in the spring. We also have an internship program uh, through Syracuse University. There's a semester Your in New York. Your alma mater, we should say. Right. I started a semester program, which starts this September. And the way you go abroad to Florence or wherever, no matter what school you went to, and you could transfer credits, you can do the Syracuse semester in New York City. And you can get course credit for working at the festival as an intern. Um, So we created that program, too, which is really ends up being open to college students worldwide because they can all transfer credits through the university. Um, And then, of course, we accept, you know, other interns and stuff if they apply. But it's it's a really amazing thing because we are our reach has gotten out enough. I mean, this all started with one email last year. Um, We had a little blurb in Variety, and that was emailed around, and that's how people started submitting last year. So it's, you know, it's wonderful, and it's a little depressing to note that that's, you know, it's that it's obviously a very necessary thing for these writers to have. Well, we are now in July. Uh, Submissions don't start being taken until October, is it? 
October fifteenth so, or October first to January first, I think it is. But we have right. to figure out those dates. So you still exactly. have a little bit of time to get your submissions yes, ready. Yes, exactly. Is what I'm for next for year, we're listening. Yeah, yes. yeah. You don't have to submit it tomorrow. No. And yeah. is there a type of play you're looking for? I mean, again, we're not going to. We can't go through yeah. all of the plays. No, really, not really, not really. We just look for. You know, they definitely one thing that we, you know, really try to tell people is we are not looking for plays that are commercial. You know, just because we come from the commercial world, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for great, well-written plays that we think would be an asset to the festival. Are, are these all plays or any musicals? We don't have any musicals this year. There weren't any musicals. You did that last year, is that We correct? did last year. Last year we had two. Um, this year there just weren't any musical submissions that were up to the standard of the plays. Mm-hmm. But if somebody wanted to submit one, they certainly could. Absolutely. We would love to have a great musical in there, or more than one. Now, last year, you had 16 or 18 plays, something like that. We had 16 plays and two musicals. Two musicals, okay. Those are the emerging playwrights. Have any of them emerged since last year? Yeah. Um, For example? One of them, I think, is going to be... One of them is going to be at the Roundabout next season. Uh-huh. Um, with, with the same play really or a different exciting. play? A different play. Uh-huh. The, one of the things about the play festival is we accept, we tell writers they can only submit one play. Mm-hmm. So they sort of have to decide what they're going to submit. And the play festival is really about the career of the playwright as opposed to the life of this play. That's one of the reasons that we don't necessarily say we want royalties on this play or we want ownership of this play because we want to promote the career of the playwright. And the idea for the play, we think, we believe that the idea for the playwright is to get their work seen no matter what it is. Um, So it's, I'm thrilled that the roundabout chose a different play. They chose a play of this writer, which is the most amazing thing. And this writer is, we should give him him credit. His name is Noah Hadel. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and his play, I believe it's next season. It was just announced. That roundabout, that's Mr. Um, Marmalade. I, yes, yeah, exactly. That they're going to be doing. So, and there are a bunch of others that are all over the country. Um, they just, there were a couple writers that just got the Her- Helen Merrill Award the other night. Noah Hadel and uh, Gary Sunshine, I believe. And, um, I, you know, we keep advertising these writers and pushing for them. Another thing we did this year that's different than last year is we have an industry person whose sole job on the festival is to deal with industry in New York and around the country and talk to them about what plays they should go see, what writers they should meet with, and when. And she is basically the writer's representative working with their agent, of course, if they have one, during the time of the festival. And we're doing two long weekends where we're doing programs over the four-day weekend so that you could actually see eight plays in four days and you could fit it all in if if you're coming from out of town and having all different kinds of fun panels, not usual art versus commerce stuff. And it's going to be really exciting. So we are now in the first week of the four-week festival. It runs through August 1st. We start Tuesday. Right, right, right. So we're, we're up and running now. If somebody is coming to New York during the month of July, how do they get tickets? SPFNYC.com. Go on our website, and they can buy tickets for $10. Can you buy tickets at the door, or are they pretty well sold out by the time people we, I mean, well, you I told w- our You told yeah. the story of last year. Where are we yeah. in you know, relation and basically, to— basically, this year we're a lot further ahead than we were last year because we started selling tickets earlier. And uh-huh. we had an event at Summer Stage last weekend— where we were selling tickets there as well. So if anybody cool. wants to buy tickets, they I do suggest it they quick, go on the website. Yes. Do it right away. What's the temptation? Obviously, with that kind of success. Now, on the on the one hand, 
costs are significantly underwritten. The $10 ticket obviously right. doesn't come close to no. covering the costs of no. putting on these shows. Yeah. And you're putting marketing behind it that is perhaps disproportionate right. to the ability of these right. shows to ever earn. But is there a temptation to expand, to grow, to lengthen the runs, to do more projects? Um, what, what kind of balance are you finding? It's a little difficult to answer that question because I have four, I feel like every day we come up with four million more ideas and more things to do with the festival. This year we expanded by having this Syracuse program with the interns, the Dunmar Warehouse program. Um, we're starting to work with, I just did a program at Dalton, where also where I went, where we did a program with uh, second graders where they write their own musical and that all sort of falls under the umbrella of the Living Room for Artists, which is the big not-for-profit. So in terms of ways that this can grow, we definitely see the Summer Play Festival as a year-round thing. But I don't think realistically we can extend the runs of these particular shows. We just have to find other ways that we can help the writers year-round. And also we have what we call an alumni fund. So... For example, if one of our writers last year wanted to do a, a theater approached him uh, outside of New York and said, we'd love to do a reading of your next show, um, but we need a couple thousand dollars. And he came to us and he said, what do I do? And we said, well, it's funny that you asked. We just started this alumni fund so that if you're an SPF alumni, you can come to us and say, this is something that can promote our career as a playwright what do I do? And, you know, we can see if we have the money in our fund to help you. So that's another thing we've added. How do you balance doing all of this for this festival, which I know from my own experience can be enormously time-consuming and takes a full year to plan, even for four weeks, how do you balance that with with the, your commitments in the commercial world? I am the luckiest person in the world because I have the most amazing team of people working with me. I mean, Rachel is the artistic director of this festival in every way. She is the hands-on person who works with the writers and the directors and casting, and she really does everything. Um, and we have general manager and casting people. I mean, we have – the Summer Play Festival has a huge staff that I have, even though it's only – we're only in our second uh, year, I definitely have um, – distance myself enough from the day-to-day -day operation where I can still come up with new ideas and new things to do and unfortunately keep everybody a lot busier than maybe they want to be. Um, but I've really taken myself out of that, um, which is sad sometimes, but really a good thing too, I think, because I think I'm probably better at the big picture stuff. And in terms of uh, producing commercially, the two plays that are running on Broadway now, I'm actually not the lead producer of. Uh, spam a lot. I'm not the lead producer of Or Pillow Man. And the shows that I'm working on as a lead producer are coming up in the future. So I've been able to balance pretty well so far, but we'll see what well, happens. Well, tell us about what might be coming up because clearly the the aesthetic of those might be somewhat different than these Very 16 non-commercial plays different. chosen yeah. by an elaborate process. Right. Um, I have a show running in London right now, which is the revival of Guys and Dolls, directed by Michael Grandage at the Dunmar Warehouse. I have a deal. Uh, first say with Ewan McGregor and yes. Ewan Krakowski and raves for the choreography, particularly of Rob Amazing. Ama yeah. I mean, it is 
it's a great production. I really I um, have a deal with the Dunmore Warehouse. I have a first look deal to bring their shows to the West End or to Broadway. And I've been working very closely with Michael Granich, who's the artistic director, and he directed Guys and Dolls on the West End. And he is the greatest guy, a wonderful director, and I really wanted to be part of his big West End musical. So I got involved in that show, and uh, hopefully we'll come to New York with it. We'll see what happens. For next season? And I don't know yet. Everything's up in the air. Don't push but it. hopefully, okay. we'll just, see. Just curious, just curious. <laughs> um, it's radio, but she made, she made a <laughs> back off gesture. We'll see, we'll else. see. Um, and um, really anything else that would come from the Dunmar Warehouse. So those are the things that I'm very interested in doing and looking forward to doing. How did you get involved with uh, Spamalot, which is the hit of the season? <laughs> Spamalot was great. Um, Bill Haber, uh, who really put the whole show together um has been a producing partner of mine for many years and he introduced me to the material and i said great what do i where do i sign up Mm -hmm. and uh, that's how it happened and uh so that's well you you must have many projects brought to you you've got some very good ones on your your resume how how do do you make that decision what to get into what really with the people i mean i did my first show uh john leguizamo's freak was my first broadway show and I did it with Gregory Mosher and Bill Haber, and they, uh, I had really never met Bill before, and I knew Greg a little bit before I started working on it, and they really just said to me, this is your show, do whatever you want, and I was 25, Mm -hmm. and I just said, you know, these people are amazing, and (laughs) I'm the luckiest person in the world, and I've always felt that way, so I've always tried to work with people who I feel like will get to know me and give me that kind of respect and listen to me in that way and I've definitely had some difficult experiences on the way you know that I would not want to relive again learning experiences but difficult <laughs> learning experiences but for the most part I've been really really lucky you know I'm not anymore I used to be very young in this business and um being female used to also be uh difficult but now there are a lot of young people and a lot more women, and uh, I'm sort of just one of the crowd now, which is a nice thing, because it means there are a lot more people doing it. Why, why do you think that that, that trend is, is developing now for younger people, especially for women? Um, is there changing sensitivities and sensibilities? You know, I don't really here? know. I mean, there's still, obviously, you know, we all sort of know the people who run the business, and they're definitely older men, and they've definitely been around for many years and are mm-hmm. very experienced um, and really, really good at what they do. And I don't know why more and more women are getting involved. I I have no idea what the trend is. I just know that it's really great and it's really nice to sit around at meetings and, you know, have other people there that are women. And and when you look around there, I assume other women in the room, other young people in the room. Mostly other women, not necessarily other young people. It depends on the show. Uh Well, it's an interesting point because... Again, we're on radio. People can perhaps tell from your voice, but you are still among the younger ranks yes, of Broadway yes. producers. It is the oft-asked question of how do we get younger people to the theater? Certainly, issues of price point yeah. have been dealt with in the Summer Play Festival, although the material is not necessarily chosen for a youth orientation, or is The it? material isn't chosen for youth orientation, but our writers are emerging, so they're probably young. 
and they're probably writing about things that interest them. So we have to sort of assume that younger people are going to be more interested in seeing them because they feel like they can relate to it. And that was definitely what happened last year. Last year we sold out. There wasn't We didn't know who those people were. But when we went downstairs and looked in the lobby and there was a cancellation line every single night, a huge, an enormous percentage of those people, just by looking at them, looked like young, artsy, very smart, sort of downtown intellectual New Yorkers. And it was a really amazing crowd and just what I had hoped and imagined it would be. And possibly uh, young people who themselves are interested in theater and in getting... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You know, we didn't do a lot of surveys last year because we were sort of scared to. We did some, which, you know, you which you I have I was just going to say, of. you had 33% of your audience was between the ages of 21 and 30, and another 30% of the audience was between 31 and 40. So so close to two-thirds of your audience was under the age of 40, right. which, is, which is an achievement for any theater yeah. operation. And people, you know, people would say that it was due to our $10 tickets, and also it was due to the fact that, they love the energy of the building. They were obviously, the artwork is so bright and fun and summery. And it just feels like, it just, you look at it and you think, wow, this is going to be a cool thing to do. And it's $10. And I think there was an attitude of, well, I'll go to the 7 o'clock show. If that's sold out, I'll go to the 7.30. And if I don't like it, it was only $10 anyway. And now it's cheaper than a movie. Mm. Wearing your commercial hat, what? do you think can be done? Are there things you'd like to try to be able to do with your commercial productions to bring younger people to ultimately Broadway? There's so many things I would love to do commercially. Um, You know, one of the... I definitely came into this business when I did Freak of I'm going to change the world. And, as and certainly it, putting a performer like John Leguizamo on Broadway yeah. was... was <laughs> I did now the best seems, I could. It now <laughs> seems like a perfectly... Sensible right. thing to do, but, but it, was, at the it time, was definitely an unusual yeah, choice. Yeah, it was at the time. He was an off-Broadway guy at the he time. He was an off-Broadway guy. I was 25. I had interned for a lot of people, but nobody really took me seriously. And why should they? I hadn't done anything. And uh, I was perceived as, you know, young and what does she know and all that kind of stuff. And everyone really told me the show was going to fail. And I went with my gut and got lucky. But it... In terms of what happened was as I, you know, as time went on and I produced more shows on Broadway and really was able to step away from my idealistic view of let's change the world and really see what it's about and that it's a lot more difficult than I thought it was when I started. Um, I think part of going to the Summer Play Festival and saying $10 seats was a way to say, well, you know what? It's very difficult to start a Broadway. There's so many people involved. And so many things involved to deal with that what if we started from the ground up and what if we went and we took an empty space this empty building and we put some plays in it and we made the tickets ten dollars and we let's see if it works and that was part of the appeal of doing it this way of you know i have no idea what to do about broadway but if we start with an empty space i think we're going to learn something and we're only in our second year and i think we've learned a lot and i'm hoping that as time goes by and we develop these audiences and we start developing the educational program which we're doing with 7-year-olds and the college program and all the different things that we're doing i'm hoping that we'll keep learning more because I would love it if, you know, when I was a kid, I went to a matinee every Saturday with my mother. She wouldn't have taken me if it were $100 a ticket every single week. That would have been a little crazy. So 
I would love to find a way. I wish I knew what what it was. One last question before we wrap up. Should we be looking for reviews of these shows in the Play Festival, (laughs) in the newspapers? The shows as of this year do not get reviewed. So they were last year? No, they were not last year. We're not this year. I don't know if that's going to continue because we haven't decided. It's sort of a group decision. Um, And is the press willing to give you that latitude? The press is fine. I mean, it is considered a showcase. So no one has come to us saying they want to review the festival. I, to be honest, I don't know how that works and when, at what point they would come to you and say we want to review it. But they're not reviewing it. It, You know, these plays are can be whatever they want by the playwright. We read the full script, but and the plays go on as full productions. But we felt that it would be unfair to the playwright to have a review uh, of this play because they only get two weeks of rehearsal. So we've we'll been talking about that. we've been talking about uh, young people, emerging playwrights, emerging directors, emerging producers. As a young producer yourself, uh, what kind of advice would you give to people who are either emerging or, in some cases, pre-emerging people who are not yet at that stage, but maybe in high school or college who are getting ready to become the next generation? What kind of personal advice would you give them? I would say just find a way to get in the industry and come intern at the festival, take a job wherever you can where you're going to be able to learn from someone who you really respect and who you really think knows what they're doing. And I was very lucky. I had five internships before I started, before I stopped having them. Mm -hmm. And I learned from all different people and all different styles. And I was really lucky to have those opportunities. And how does somebody get an internship with you? Uh, They go on the website and apply. There's an application process right on your website, Mm -hmm. which is spfnyc.com. Yep. Great. Well, Ariel Tepper, Broadway producer, as well as the creator, the founder, and the executive producer of Summer Play Festival, which is going on currently through August 1st here in New York City. Thanks so much for being with us today on Downstate Center. Thank you for having me. Thanks Thanks for being here. For the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman, reminding all of our listeners that these programs, as well as all of the educational and media programs of the American Theatre Wing, can be found online for free from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM28 on Broadway, I'm John Von Susten for Downstage Center. That's a wrap, and thank you.